Hi, I'm Allison. And I'm Jordan, and this is Written in the Margins, a podcast all about your favorite books. Today, we're going to be talking about Percy Jackson and the Sea of Monsters by Rick Riordan. This is the second book in Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Two weeks ago, we did The Lightning Thief. And I will admit, this is not my favorite book in the series. Actually, the first time I read this through, I skipped this book because the library didn't have it. (laughs) Yeah, understandable. The whole series, this is probably my least favorite book. Um, I feel like it's a good stepping stone for the third book, but it's not really memorable in and of itself. Yeah, I felt that this book was getting me hyped for the third book because like, I already knew what happened in the third book and it got me super excited for Talia, my favorite character. But other than that, I didn't feel like I missed out on anything reading, not reading this book, except for maybe like Tyson, but we'll talk more about him in a bit. Yeah, Um, I do remember the one thing that I remembered when I and when I think of this book is the scene with the Hydra and I only remember that scene because when I first read it I didn't know what a Hydra was and I had to look it up Mm -hmm. and that's the only reason why I remember that one scene (laughs) and everything else I totally forgot about yeah the only thing I remembered was the um the guinea pig scene understandable oh and they like added a random scene in the movie that didn't need to be there. I remember that. I haven't seen yeah, the of Monsters movie in years though. Yeah, me either. I don't think I saw that movie because I saw the first one and I was like, this is really bad. I don't need to see the next one. Mm-hmm. I think I saw the second one just for the sake of seeing the second one because the first one was so bad. All right. Well, we probably, we don't have a lot to talk about <laughs> for the beginning because we already did our memories on the series. So let's get into the like a brief plot of this book yeah so this book is like al said it's the second book and so we see percy and he's back at school and he makes a friend and this friend is is tyson who's basically this big softy um and they end up at camp half-blood um when annabeth goes and finds them at their school sorry my dog's barking in the background um so once they arrive at camp half-blood um things have kind of changed there percy notes so chiron is basically fired or kind of put on leave because talia's tree is dying and it's killing the rest of the camp and so basically annabeth and Percy and Percy's half-brother Tyson, who's a Cyclops, go on an adventure to the Sea of Monsters to not only save Grover, but find the Golden Fleece. And um, with like help from Clarice along the way, they find a way to save Grover from a Cyclops named Prometheus? Prometheus. No, that's the other guy. <laughs> We are going to have a lot of struggles pronouncing the names in this book. <laughs> um, yeah. We'll just use the excuse it's Greek. Yeah, it's Greek. Um, I think it's Polyphemus. Polyphemus? Yeah. We're, we're going to go with that one. Polyphemus. And they save Grover and they get the Golden Fleece back 
to camp just in time to save the tree, which then heals itself and it ends with it turning back into Talia. (laughs) If you're reading it nowadays, it's not really a cliffhanger because you can just pick up the next book. Mm, That ending got me so pumped though. I was like shaking in my seat. I love the third book so much. So I was like doing my little happy dance, super excited. (laughs) Okay. Um, So why don't we get into what we actually think of the book. I think that we should start out with Jordan. What are your thoughts on Tyson? Um, Tyson, I do admit when I first met Tyson, I, w- I was a little skeptical because we we just get introduced to him and I was like, we don't really need a new character. I like the old characters. But then, yeah throughout the book he kind of he kind of grew on me Mm -hmm. I started to like him a bit more when I was younger I was mad because I felt like he was when I actually ended up reading the book I was mad because I felt like he was a replacement for Grover you know like when in a tv show one of the actors gets fired so they bring in another actor to like take over that role Mm -hmm. that's kind of what it felt like but I ended up really liking Tyson. Like he was so fun and I thought he was super cute. And I love all his I love his obsession with horses and all the different names that he gives for them. <laughs> yeah, that is adorable. He's just a big old softy and I kinda love it. Um, I it is interesting how Grover isn't really in this book, but yeah, we still get to see him through Percy's dreams. Mm-hmm. Um Sometimes when I read this book, I feel like I'm watching, like, a TV show. And, you know, in some seasons of TV shows where an actor gets pregnant or they're, like, filming a movie during it, so they're not in a lot of the season. And so Mm -hmm. they, like, they, like, write, they're, they're, like, oh, they're just, like, off on vacation. And so they bring in another character to kind of fill that role until they are able to, like, come back again at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. that's what this book felt like yeah yeah it it is it does feel like that um oh it, you I know what feels like really... sorry um this is like a weird thing but i think season six of new girl when zoe deschanel gets pregnant and they bring on megan fox all right <laughs> that's exactly what it felt like to me yeah i uh, that is a nice comparison i do feel like it sets up well for the next book like i said this is just a stepping stone for the third book it where where we see a lot of annabeth in this book and then spoiler alert we don't see a lot of annabeth in the next book because she gets like kidnapped and then talia comes in and takes her place in the next book yeah it is a it's a balancing act for Mm -hmm. sure it's strange. I realize that he does this a lot in his books, too. Really? Give me an example. Mm, this is niche, but, like... Okay, hear me out. The Lost Hero? Like, okay. So, like, so Annabeth stays her same role, but Jason takes over as Percy. And then you could say Leo could almost be either Nico or Grover. And then, like, Piper... Like, it's weird because they kind of take over the roles. Yeah. I don't know. I it's interesting. It's it's interesting how he does it. 
I love Tyson though. Uh, when I was younger, I hated him. I remember that. I thought he was so annoying. But he calls Chiron Chiron. It's Chiron. Chiron, <laughs> a pony. Very funny. A Pegasus is a chicken pony, and then a water horse is a fish pony. <laughs> he's just a breath of fresh air, honestly. Uh-huh. Like he's supposed to be like a younger, naive version of Grover. Mm-hmm. And I love him so much because I love Grover. But I could spend this entire time talking about Tyson. We probably should move on to when they like actually arrive at camp. Yeah, so when they arrive at camp, they realize that Chiron's been fired from camp director. And in his place is this guy named Tantalus, I believe. Wait, wait. Um, when they arrive at camp and they find Chiron like packing up his stuff, he's listening to his favorite 1960s lounge music. <laughs> we need to stop a moment and talk about Chiron's music choices in this book. Like, I don't get this guy. Like, first he's listening to lounge music, and then he later he later on is packing up his greatest of Dean Martin CDs. <laughs> Oh yeah, Chiron's music choice is is there for comedy it's, and nothing else. It's interesting. It it was there for Rick Riordan to pat himself on the back. Yeah, and so Tantalus is this guy who can't eat or drink anything because that's like his curse or whatever, and so he's super bitter. I never everyone. realized that. I think I read over that part. <laughs> because <laughs> of course food would randomly run away and I was literally sitting there like, does the food just not like him? Like, I thought it was a joke that the campers were playing on him because they didn't like him. I mean, it is sort of a joke because mm-hmm. it's hilarious every time it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um... Not to compare this to Harry Potter as we usually do, but Tantalus' Umbridge... And this book is Order of the Phoenix. (laughs) You know, I never really thought that, but now that you say it, I can sort of see it. (laughs) And the thing is, Order of the Phoenix is my least favorite book in the series. And this is my least favorite book in the series. (laughs) So, great comparison. And, yeah, I just, I couldn't help but think that the entire time that we were, I was reading it. And I was like, we just constantly compare this book to Harry Potter. We constantly compare anything to Harry Potter. That is true. But I didn't... I thought he was interesting. I wish they'd done more with him. Like, I think it would have been really fun to see him do a lot more. Yeah, like, it's, again, with that character thing, that new characters show up in this book, and then um, that we don't really need. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Tantalus is one of those characters. He's only there for plot purposes and for comedy. And yeah. then we never see him again. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I'm okay with that because I don't really need him. Yeah. Like Tyson, we kind of needed. He provided a lot of character growth for Percy. And we know that mm-hmm. he shows up a couple of times later in other books. But yeah. like, yeah, he, Tantalus doesn't really do anything. He just is kind of like a barrier that Percy and Annabeth just like step around like he's not that big of a deal yeah the only 
plot thing I can think of that he actually does is that he gives Clarice the quest instead of Percy because he just doesn't like Percy. Mm-hmm. But Percy, he just goes on the quest anyways. So And the thing is, I could totally see Kieran. I'm I'm saying that right. I could totally see Kieran giving Percy uh, giving Clarice the quest over Percy as well. Yeah, I can too. Like I think it'd be something shady that he would do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so not a lot else happens at camp except for the chariot races that we don't need to really talk about. But there is one thing I want to touch on. Hephaestus cabin is literally the best cabin there. I know Hephaestus. I love, I love their cabin, and we get a, we get to see it a lot in the Lost Hero with Leo. Mm-hmm. But we don't actually see it a lot in um, this series. Underrated yeah. character, Beckendorf. I know, right? I he's love Beckendorf. So fun. He. Oh, he's so nice, too. Like, he literally apologized for Percy when he was, like, trying to, like, hit him with those metal balls during this chariot races. And then he, like, took Tyson under his wing went and taught him how to do blacksmith, which is probably the entire reason that Tyson got the blacksmith internship under the sea. That's a sentence I'd never think I'd say. <laughs> yes, Beckendorf, he's just this constant throughout the series. He's steady. He's lovable. He is just there and being a good guy until, spoiler alert, he dies. And then I was really freaking sad. Wait, he dies? Yes, Allison. In the last book. Oh, I totally forgot about that. Dang it. You'll reread it before we do our episode on it. Yeah, I tend to read the book week by week. Um... Hear me out. He's Oliver Wood. We're just going to compare this book to Harry Potter. Um, he's Oliver <laughs> Wood. Because, like, Oliver is, like, there and gone too soon. Yes. And that's and you, you know those, um, the Hermes twins? hmm Fred and George. Wait. Wait. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Percy, he wants to go on this quest, but Tantalus doesn't let him. And then he gets this dream. And Percy, when I first read this, I was like, man, we're back at it again with the dreams. Percy, he just has all these prophetic dreams all the time. And it's it's kind of great, honestly. The best um, god out of this entire series is Hermes, because he's just a bro. Okay, yes. But did you... But Hephaestus' TV station... <laughs> like not even just a show like a TV channel that has m- many shows on it including a multi-season show called Hercules Bus Head <laughs> which has merch of course it does why wouldn't it have which merch? you buy in like the Olympic version of Hot Topic <laughs> what would that be called Well, if it was in Hades, it would be called Hot Topic. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but but Hermes Hermes is just a bro. He's the most helpful god ever. Like, all the other gods, they're like, we have this rule, we don't directly help out. And then Hermes is just like, yeah, I'm not doing that here. 
have here's some vitamins here's a thermos yeah he he's just here go save my son hermes invented the internet yes yes he and did. he has 60 missed calls and 1038 missed emails Yes, those the little two snakes on his cell phone are just adorable. I love George and Martha. I loved this entire chapter. It was so funny. Yeah, probably the best chapter in the entire book. Mm-hmm. Um, Hermes' children have an underground like convenience store operation where they like sneak out of camp and go get food from convenience stores and like sell them off to kids at the camp. Of course they do. Um, I feel like Percy should join in on this because flashback to last book, Percy has his like illegal candy stash that he sells to people in his dorm at the boarding school. Yes, if Percy wasn't a son of Poseidon, he'd be a son of Hermes. Oh, definitely. <laughs> also, sorry, this is another flashback to the other book. Remember how we were talking about how Percy was, like, a murderer in that book? Mm-hmm. Well, he's an arsonist in this one. <laughs> this kid is like, never going to get a job. Like, he literally has such bad rap record. Yes. Percy has the worst luck ever. And it's kind of funny, mm-hmm. but also it's not. I want to mention one more thing before they leave camp. Um, so the Af- um, the Apollo children at the campfire after the chariot races is trying to get the groups to sing and they're singing these songs and i realized that they're supposed to be spoofs of like actual like folk songs mm-hmm. so they do, i'm gonna pronounce these all wrong down by the Aegon, which is supposed to be down by the bay which we used to sing in mr lewis's class in elementary school i do remember that and it was so fun we'd get in a circle and we'd like all clap hands and stuff mm-hmm. And then we would, they sang I Am My Own Great, 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 Great Grandpa, which is a spoof of the Christmas song, I Am My Own Uncle. I do not know if it's actually a Christmas song. My dad just always plays it at Christmas. <laughs> and this land is Minosa's land. I always pronounced it Mimosa in my head, which is This Land is Your Land, which you and I sang a quartet to in elementary school. I remember that was so fun. That was really fun. I remember that I memorized my um, verse the day of because I cannot remember the lyrics to that song. Like, I cannot. (laughs) We also, Jordan and I were in choir together in elementary school. And I had, there's something about anytime we sing about, like, landmarks that I just could not memorize the lyrics to. (laughs) Like, we did did we did Surf in USA, and they split it into two, where there was, like, people singing, like, the inside, outside right, USA. Yeah. And then the other group, which I was in, had to sing all the cities in California. And I just about died. Like, I literally could not memorize the names of the cities. Like, I would get them so confused, and I don't know what it is. Yeah, I, I had the easy part. I was <laughs> the first. I was in that one part that was doing all the background vocals. It was great. <laughs> Anyways, that just... That brought back some more memories of me when we were Battle Creek Bears. (laughs) (laughs) I still have the, um, what's that called? The um, school song? I still have the school elementary song. I I have it completely memorized still as well. We will not be singing it on this podcast, though. That song (laughs) 
It is so unnecessarily catchy, and I don't know why. Oh, wait. There is a video somewhere on YouTube of me singing it with a choir at the grand opening of Sprague, at the grand opening of Battle Creek. They leave camp. You know what I like about this book? Mm -hmm. We get a lot of Annabeth backstory throughout the entire thing. Like, Mm -hmm. we, we learn more of her time before she came to camp we learn about why she's afraid of cyclops Mm -hmm. and and there's just a lot of characterization of annabeth um especially in the episode (laughs) why did i say episode Mm -hmm. in the um chapter with the sirens we learn more about her we just get a lot of annabeth characterization Mm -hmm. which is nice because we don't see her at all in the next book. So I think it's interesting. Um, Annabeth's flaw that we learned about that she mm-hmm. like in her head thinks the world would be better if she was just ruling it, which is a flaw that she shares a lot with the Titans, like Kronos. You know, mm-hmm. I can see that comparison. And like it's interesting because usually in books, I feel like you see the main, the flaw that um, like the main character will share, they'll also share with the greatest villain. But like, they don't come outright discuss what Percy's like mortal flaw is. So I just think it's interesting that they gave that one to Annabeth. Like it makes sense for a character. But I just thought it was fun that she would be the one that would get that. Yes, it's, and you're right, it is her mortal flaw, and I also think it might be Luke's as well. Oh, definitely. Which Mm -hmm. is very fitting. Because we know that Annabeth has has that connection to Luke, because, like, he protected her for most of her childhood, and wasn't she even in his cabin before she was sorted, sorted, claimed by her mom? (laughs) And the Harry Potter strikes again. (laughs) This podcast should just be renamed to Harry Potter versus every other book. (laughs) Yeah. It's, I always think it's so much fun getting to learn about Annabeth. Like she's not my favorite character, but she's definitely up there. And I just, she has so much childhood trauma and she has so many different fears that we learn about. Like, I believe it's, Either Battle of the Labyrinth or, no, it's later on. We learn about her fear of spiders and just kind of like the childhood trauma that came from that as well. And so I just think it's, I think it's really interesting. Like she has a fun backstory. I would read an entire book just showing her journey from like when she was younger to when she finally arrived at Camp Half-Blood. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And um, you know what? I am going to talk about this. So first <laughs> His his fatal flaw is that he cares too much for his friends. That he would sacrifice like the whole world for his friends, and it yes, I it can be used now. against him. And I I do believe it does show in this book when when Tyson when he goes back to Tyson on the water ship, yeah, steamship hot water shit okay um (laughs) yes oh yes that makes so much sense the same with um annabeth 
Yes, because he doesn't he doesn't want to leave her. Oh, you know what I was thinking? So we're gonna skip a little far ahead. Like getting comparison to this flaw. When Annabeth gets injured and he puts the fleece on her, my immediate thought was like, does the fleece only work on one person? You I know, you know, we're know. like like it only works once. And that was my immediate thought. I mean, it doesn't. Like we find that out later. But my immediate thought was like the fleece could only work on like one thing. And that would be such a Percy thing to do with going at it without even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know. That's interesting. Ooh, I like that. Now we can like watch for that for the next couple books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Percy was so sad when the steamship exploded. I was sad. Find Tyson, because by that point, Tyson had a special place in my heart, and I was I was really sad that Percy was so sad. I forgot Tyson was in the rest of the book, so I legitimately thought he died for a couple seconds, and I was like, oh. <laughs> but then I like remembered that he's in pretty. He appears in a lot of the other books, like cutscenes, but he appears. Yes. We do get a lot of Clarice characterization. Like in the first book, um, <laughs> most of her character was that she was just a bully, mm-hmm. kind of. And in this one, we get to see a lot of her motivations, like with her dad mm-hmm. and um, the pressure she's under. And I kind of like that. That made me sad because you see how, like, Hermes and Poseidon treat Luke and um, Percy in comparison to the way that Ares treats Claire Clarice, and you can tell that like Clarice doesn't believe in Ares' mission, like to cause mischief amongst the gods. Like she just wants to do what's good, and she has a very clear moral compass. Like she's not. A bad person like she really does want to save people and she really does care about not only her cabin but like the good of the camp but she gets treated like a villain because sometimes what she believes she's doing best for the camp is not actually what's best and she's just doing what she was like what was built into her by the camp and like the circumstances had changed around her Agreed. Mm-hmm. Yes. She kind of just fades into the background for me. Okay. Yeah, Cersei's Island is is kind of funny. And it it doesn't really have a whole lot of implications in this book other than showing Percy's self-doubt. Mm-hmm. But it, I do like how it does show up in the next series in Heroes of Olympus. And we learn that Reyna and her sister are on Cersei's island. Mm -hmm. And that, I don't know if it's foreshadowing or if it's just a callback to these two characters that we see once, but I love it. As we said before, Rick Riordan is a master at foreshadowing and it's Mm -hmm. kind of great. I think it's interesting because it's not only just years later for us, it's also years later for Percy because by the time that we get to Son of Neptune, it's which when they arrive again, right? Mm-hmm. By the time we get the Son of Neptune, Percy's like 
16, 16 or 17. Yeah. So he's much older. And so like, I haven't read Son of Neptune in a while, but I feel like, oh, and he doesn't even remember them because like, it's just like a chance encounter years and years ago. And he's always been in, he's been in a ton of different adventures since then, probably died, almost died like half a million times. So Cece's Island was the only scene from this book that I remembered. Like the guinea, Percy getting turned into a guinea pig. That was like the only thing I remembered from this book. But yeah, I really do like the scene with the guinea pigs. It really shows Percy's self-doubt, which is such a relatable scene, especially for um, young little middle schoolers. Mm -hmm. It's really nice to see that. I mean, Percy's a relatable character in general, but specifically that scene. Yeah, and Percy definitely has this like he's very charismatic character and he kind of jumps into things head on so you wouldn't think that he would have a lot of doubts so for that to kind of be revealed in a very like simple scene it's just it's really interesting it's really i remember it was was definitely something that was like reassuring to like a seventh grade allison as well yeah side note Throughout this entire book, Percy gets annoyed by a lot of people, particularly in the first half with Tentalis and Clarice and everybody. Mm -hmm. I just imagine Percy just flipping people off that annoy him. (laughs) Just whenever someone says something that he doesn't like, (laughs) I just imagine him flipping them off and it is... (laughs) such a Percy thing to do. I feel like if in this book, Percy was like 17, that's totally what he would do. Definitely. He is not in the greatest mood in this book. He's really angsty. Really? Like, reasonably so. Like, he he will admit that he did not like, did not love Tyson at first, and he was just like dragging him around with him this entire book. And so now his half-brother that he learned to like is dead. And he just got turned into a guinea pig. And his bro- and his best friend is getting married to a cyclops. That is hilarious. I love that. And his camp is dying. And the best teacher he ever had was fired. And he's and Clarice is taking his quest. Like he's not having a good time in this book. Oh no. No, he is not. You could almost compare it to Harry. In order, I knew you were gonna say that. (laughs) But yeah, Grover getting married to that Cyclops is the most—it's hilarious, and it's so unnecessary. Like it's just there for comedy reasons, and I love it. I love it so much. I could totally imagine in my head him like whenever prom promy. Cyclops, dude. Whenever, oh, Cyclops from the Odyssey. Cyclops from the Odyssey calls him. He like calls back in like a sing songy, high pitched voice, but it like keeps cracking because he's like an adolescent satyr. And I think it's <laughs> so funny in this like super gross and grimy wedding dress with his veil. And then we find out that, <laughs> um, the Cyclops is wearing a baby blue wedding tuxedo. That is so funny. 
<laughs> it is. I remember when we read the Odyssey in freshman year. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? I kept yeah. thinking back to this book. Mm-hmm. You know, and then once they get the fleece, and it's it's so cool that Tyson comes back and gets the fleece for them because oh, yeah. it really shows that he's more to Percy than just some guy. Like Percy goes through this whole arc throughout the entire story um, where he doesn't like his brother and then he's sad and then his brother comes back and he just embraces Tyson as a brother despite his flaws. Mm -hmm. And this whole emotional arc is so great to read, um, especially because he he does um, express doubt regarding his father um, because of Tyson. And mm-hmm. he's, he's all angsty because of his family. And I love to read that. Like we talked about how Annabeth is very similar to Luke. But Percy is very similar to Luke in that way. Where they both have a lot of like harbored anger and resentment against their fathers. And I feel like all the Half-Bloods do. But Percy and Luke kind of show it the most. Yes. And it's very interesting to see because like even though we talked about how Percy isn't as prideful as Annabeth he does have a lot of pride in this book and that's like his thing that he has to get over in this one yes 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 and I do believe it they try to use it against him they try to turn him into another Luke except he chooses not to and Mm -hmm. it particularly reminds me of (laughs) here we go again (laughs) it reminds me of Chamber of Secrets when with harry tom riddle through, yeah when harry goes through that whole angsty scene of thinking he's going to be the next voldemort but mm-hmm. then dumbledore's like it's our choices that define us <laughs> that th- this that's this <laughs> that is interesting and i think they're two interesting characters to compare themselves to because like annabeth's one of annabeth's weaknesses is luke and one of Percy's weaknesses is Luke in the way that he builds up a lot of unnecessary anger in him. Yes. And causes him to doubt a lot of what he knows is true. Yes. Mm-hmm. I also think one of per Percy, not Percy, one of Annabeth's weak spot is might be Talia. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and when they return to camp with the fleece and they put it on the tree, they're all celebrating because, yeah, we, we saved the tree. Um, and then it turns back into Talia because it works too well. That was, that was a, I remember I was really shocked by that when I first read it. Um, and throughout the book, you can sort of see hints of maybe where it's going. Because we get a lot of Annabeth's backstory, and why would we get a lot of Annabeth's backstory and they talk about, about Talia if we weren't going to see more of her? Also, but, it predicts the plot of the next book of an adventure with Percy and Talia because Annabeth talks about in the book how similar Percy is to Talia. Like she says, it's scary so how similar they are. Yes. It's, I find it very interesting because, like, we'll get to see Talia's characterization in the next book. And she is very similar to Percy, but in, but in different ways. And 
I think it's very, um, you could almost say, uh, if, if she wasn't so young, you could almost say that. And that's probably what draws Annabeth to Percy so much. Yeah, I think you might be right. Mm-hmm. Like, she has a lot of, not necessarily blind faith, because she's she does doubt him a lot, but she has a lot of trust in him that, like, it, it was, it, it was trust that came so immediate that you almost have no, she almost has no reason to trust him. But you realize that she sees something in him that reminds her of Talia. And you know that she looked up to Talia so much that, like, she projects it onto Percy, which I think is very interesting. Yeah, I agree. Annabeth is such a complex character. She's so fun to, like, analyze and everything. Yes. <laughs> and I love, there's this one line at the end when Tyson comes back. And it it almost made me cry because Tyson, he's he he's apologizing to Percy because he's he says sorry, I said Poseidon's mean. He mm-hmm. sent me a brother. Oh, yeah, I know. emotional. I know, right? It did. It made me emotional too. Um, I want to circle back to one thing: Golden Fleece. They land in Miami. And we are first introduced to Chiron's cousins, the Party Ponies. Oh, I love the Party Ponies. I love the Party Ponies. And they actually have an impact on the plot, which is what is great about them. Dude, they're amazing. They call everyone dude. (laughs) I call everyone dude. (laughs) And they're dressed like frat boys and they're horses. It's so funny. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I loved the party ponies when I was younger. Like my best memories of them are from the last Olympian, but I forget that they appear in a couple of the other books, and they're always the best. Like they're so much fun. They are. I love mm-hmm. them, and their their only motivation for doing anything is a party. Oh yeah, it's hilarious. Well, is that that's anyone's motivation for anything? It's a party, dude. <laughs> <laughs> They're so fun. Yeah. That's that's really all I have to say about this book. It's yeah. Once generally... they get back to camp, it's just Italia stuff. Like, Yeah. It's just a steppy, stepping stone mm-hmm. to reaffirm ties between Percy and Annabeth and Seymour of Clarice and Percy and Grover. And we just, <laughs> we see all these characters again. We're like, oh yeah, I remember those. And then uh, we meet Talia, and then mm-hmm. that's the book. It's yeah. the book is literally just there to get Talia mm-hmm. there. I am sad to see. I'm sad to see Tyson go. Like I know he comes back, but I really enjoyed him, and I think it would have been really fun to have him and Grover together on an adventure together. They do in um, last the Battle of the Labyrinth. Yes, they do. I forgot about that. <laughs> You'll reread it when we do the episode. Like I said, I haven't read Battle of the Labyrinth in so long. Yeah, that one's my favorite book, so I remember it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I I do want to say um, 
that we we get to see more Percy's powers and I love it. I love it so much because he just has perfect bearings in the ocean. That was, that part was cool. I liked that. Cool. Mm-hmm. And he can command ships and um, he can talk to horses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. He has a lot of fun powers. I feel like the Poseidon cabin has the coolest powers because those are like the most diverse. Well, what are your concluding thoughts on this one? Are well, you as pumped as me for the third one? Yeah, I do. Like I said, this book sets up really well for the next one. Um, but as a standalone, I'd probably rate it like a 6 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Purely because it's funny. It's not. It's funny, but it's not great. Like... N- in the scheme of the rest of the series, nothing happens in this book. Yeah. Except for Talia. Like, except for Talia waking up at the end. Like, that's the only thing that makes a difference in the rest of the series. Yep. What do you rate it? I would say, yeah, like a five or a six out of ten. Like, it's it's fun. It's funny. It. I liked getting, like, the best part of the book was the Hermes chapter. And that was like the only like truly memorable part of this book. Rest of it is just kind of, it fades into the background. Well, that ended on a downer. (laughs) (laughs) I will say this book got me pumped for the third one. Like I literally, like I said, third one my favorite one titan's curse talia let's go we also get introduced a little bit of spoiler to nico and bianca so um third book third book's gonna be great as for next week we are starting a new trilogy well old new trilogy we're gonna be starting a trilogy it's called the ashfall trilogy and takes place in kind of a oh oh i'm not gonna be able to say this post-apocalyptic world. Wow, that was almost correct. You can never say (laughs) post-apocalyptic. That is my fatal flaw. Yep, that's your fatal flaw. You can't say quadrilateral or post-apocalyptic. I can now say quadrilateral mostly. (laughs) There are lots of words I can't say. And, um, like, half the names of these characters in this book. Um, (laughs) Yeah, but anyways, so next week we're going to be talking about the first book in the Ashfall trilogy by Mike Mullen. Mm -hmm. It's called Ashfall, and it's about this kid who um, basically Yellowstone goes off, and he has to survive in a post-apocalyptic world, Mm -hmm. and it's very interesting. It's one of Jordan's favorite books. I've oh, only read yeah. the first one. I love but this book so much. We thought but we'll talk be, about it next week. Mm-hmm. We thought it'd be a good one to finish out the summer. Yes. As for Percy and Friends, um, like this, um, like last time, we're going to be talking about him two weeks later when we finally get to Titan's Curse. For now, make sure to check out our. Um, website which is written in the margins podcast dot squarespace dot com 
and um, check out our libraries where you can see what we're currently reading, what books we have on our shelves. Send us an email telling us what you think about the book or um, what your thoughts on are in the rest of the series, and maybe we'll talk about it on the podcast. Yes, um, I am definitely looking forward to next week. Mm-hmm. It's going to be fun. It'll be interesting to do more mature, different kind of book, because the last couple of weeks we've done children's books. So this is a little bit more mature, and yeah. it'll be fun. Well, thanks for listening. Hope to see you next week.